Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Effective Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and today I am joined by Monica Burns. Monica, thank you so much for coming and joining me on the show. Thank you so much for having me today. Monica, can you, for my listeners who may not know who you are, which hopefully there are very few of those, but just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and maybe even a little bit about how you got to doing what you're doing. Absolutely. So my name is Monica Burns. I am an ed tech and film consultant and former New York City public school teacher. I'm still here on the East Coast, uh, where now I really spend my time supporting educators inside classrooms, um, working virtually, helping provide recommendations and resource ideas around effective technology integration. So my work is really around helping make ed tech easier through my blog, classtechtips.com, my podcast, the Easy Ed Tech podcast. And then I have a few different publications, including my new book for ASCD, Ed Tech Essentials. Beautiful. And yeah, you've got a few books. So Ed Tech Essentials is your most recent one. But we're going to talk today about uh, strategies that teachers can really use in the classroom to help their students become lifelong learners. And obviously, when we're talking with you, we're going to be talking a bit about tech in the classroom. So can you tell us a bit about how we can use tech or what strategies we can use around technology to help our students to become lifelong learners? Absolutely. And so this idea of creating lifelong learners is not just right helping them understand how different digital platforms work so that they can use them later on in life. It's really about building capacity in a few different areas, whether that's helping them understand what it means to be curious and go out and search for something or find an answer to a question or search and not find an answer to a question, but maybe come across a few different multimedia resources or find a great podcast around a high interest topic for them. So one of the strategies to consider around this idea of helping create lifelong learners is to help them go out and find information, find answers or information that is adjacent to answers to questions that they have that really go alongside that core of being a lifelong learner, which is being curious and motivated and wanting to find answers to just about anything. And I'm sure, you know, listeners just like me, and you might've had these same experiences where, you know, you're watching something on television and you're thinking, where do I know that actor from? Or what really happened? Is this a true story? Right. And we might pause or pick up our phone and and do some Googling or watch a quick YouTube video before we jump back into something because we are just wondering. And we know that these different types of technology that we have access to can help us in that whole process. So that idea of being curious, of acknowledging that we don't know what we don't know (laughs) and that we do know some questions that we might want answers to, there's a lot of ways digital tools can help support that. So of course, we can think about lifelong learning in the creation or creativity side of things or on having um, students produce content the same way they might make or publish something in digital spaces down the line. But a place that I always like to start is that idea of curiosity and how we can leverage different digital tools to help students see the possibilities of what's out there. Yeah, and it's very important, I think, for schools and teachers to make sure that they're really encouraging that curiosity as well. I mean, we often are pushed for time as we're trying to squeeze everything into our you know, small period that we're allocated to teach whatever subject it is that we're, we're doing at that time. But 
I mean, I find with my son, for example, who's, who's eight now, he constantly has these questions and it's, sometimes they just seem random. Like he'll ask me, what, what's the biggest energy system in the world that's generating a power source in the world that's creating energy at the moment? I'm like, I wouldn't have a clue, but you know what? I get out my phone and we actually, we start to have a look or I'll look on the iPad with him and he just, he loves it. Like, even though it's not something that I'm massively interested in, you know, they're kind of uh, almost, uh, you know, the game, I can't remember what the game's called anymore, uh, trivia, they're, they're trivia facts sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, but I particularly make sure I do it because I'm really keen to make sure that he doesn't lose uh, his curiosity and his his want of inquiry. And I my job then I see is, to kind of show him how to do that and to do that well. And, you know, at eight, it's quite basic, but I know that at some point I'm going to have to start teaching him a lot more skills than just how to use Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's you, a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, definitely. Can you uh, give us a few examples of how you use technology to do this? So you know, if we're helping our students to you know, do research and to answer their questions and to be curious, how do we use technology to really help students in that area? So one of the big ways to consider, you know, what this would look like in action is how we're modeling these types of practices for students. Are we pausing during these teachable moments? That might also be a little bit of a techable <laughs> moment too, right? Where we can pause and say, this is how I would go and find the answer to this question. Watch me as I Google and I don't type in my whole question, but I put in these keywords that I think will help me find out the answer or, you know, model even saying things like this morning, I was listening to a podcast about this topic because I really love this thing that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, right? But might model for them this idea of where to go when you're curious or wondering about places. And it could start with a Google search, right? It could expand to ways that you can use YouTube, not just for funny videos, which is fine, right? When it's, um, you know, in the moment, I guess, but, but also to go to say, how do I solve this problem? What do I do to find an answer? There's a place I can go for a step-by-step guide. I can pause it, right? They're watching that whole process. So I think a big part of using technology to address this is modeling and demonstrating how this is different than, say, just saying a question out loud and, and nobody knowing where next to go with it, right? So it might be modeling why you would listen to a podcast when you're curious about something, where to go to connect with experts or find someone who might know an answer, um, how to find videos that provide step-by-step guides, or even going above the typing my question into Google to focus in on those keywords or even you know show off some advanced search features, right? These aren't things that we intuitively know how to do, right, necessarily, right, there are things that we need to see in action before we can replicate. And so the modeling of these different ways to use technology to address those questions that pop up, and to promote that lifelong learning to know that we can go out and find answers or or find someone who can talk about this thing that we're so excited about. I think that's really where the power of technology comes into play. Yeah, I actually think technology is really revolutionized the way that we find information too like I remember when Google first came out you know I was still just at school uh last Mm -hmm. kind of years of school I think and just the way that that changed how we started to find information for our assignments and even since then I don't use Google the same way that I used to and I use you know I'll connect with people on Twitter on Facebook and find experts as well like not just find a blog that someone's written or even Mm -hmm. if I go as far as using Google Scholar 
and finding journal articles, which are fantastic. And as we get mm-hmm. you know, further along in our school years, we do need to make that kind of a switch, I think, to starting to look more at journal articles as you, if they're getting ready for university and stuff where they have to use journal articles. But I find there's just so much more available now in terms of the avenues that you can go down to find quality information. Like I've heard stories of primary school students who are connecting with authors, for example, of a book to mm-hmm. do some research on that. And it's like, yeah, that was not possible when I was a kid. <laughs> and to see yeah. that, how that's changed has just been amazing, I think, for actually helping the curiosity of our students. Because when you connect with experts in that field who then give you their time, you know, the fact that NASA have programs where they have you know, experts share stuff and they have videos streaming from space for kids. I mean, it's it's amazing what is actually available. To con- I just think it's really there to to continue to spark that curiosity in our in our students. I think which is absolutely amazing. So, in the plethora that is available at the moment, where should teachers start? I mean, we have a range of teachers who'll be listening to this uh, podcast today. Some will be you know, loving their technology and fantastic at it. Others will be in lockdown teaching remotely. And then there'll be others who, you know, like you or me, have probably been filling around with technology since they ever could and want to do something new. So where can we go to start to really help our students to become lifelong learners? So one great place to start is just being reflective of your own practices. What do you do, right? Where do you go when you have a question or you want more information? And in many cases, right, that's going to include using technology. So if you can just kind of have that on your radar to go look for, I know that, you know, if someone mentions to me that, oh, they just bought a new car. Now I see that car everywhere I go, even if I've never heard of it before, right? It's just front of mind for me. And so it's probably been there the whole time time, but I just never noticed it. Right. So same thing is true with our own behaviors. We go out, right. We look for information. We're curious about things. We have interests in different areas. And although that might include some face-to-face opportunities, there's probably a digital component. So something that you can do, especially if you might be low tech or low confidence when it comes to technology is just start to notice your own behaviors so that you can then right, that next step would be to carve out the two minutes a day <laughs> with a group of students you might see all day long or a quick 30 second mention with students that you have for a 45 or 90 minute block of time to just point out that opportunity to go to the next step, right? If you wanted to learn more about this, here's a great podcast episode you can listen to, or I love this topic and just heard a great interview on YouTube that so-and-so did with this person, right? So either mentioning your own lifelong learning behaviors or providing that extension for students to dive deeper or go further um, are things that you can do after that, you know, first step, say, of being reflective of your own practices of things that are already happening. That's beautiful. I love that you've actually addressed all three of those people without with a single strategy of just reflecting on what they're actually doing themselves, which is fantastic. So, Monica, thank you so much for coming and joining me this week and sharing you know, your expertise, or at least a very small snippet of your expertise. Can you just let our listeners know where can they go to connect with you if they would like to get more information to find your books, all that kind of stuff? 
So the best place to connect with me would be my blog or social media channels. So my blog is classtechtips.com and my social Instagram and Twitter and all of that is at classtechtips. And even my podcast, the Easy Ed Tech podcast is on the blog. So you can press play there or find it in another podcast place. And a quick message to me on Instagram or Twitter is usually the best way to get a quick answer. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Monica. And if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, just go and have a look at the Easy Tech Tips podcast that Monica hosts and start listening to some of her stuff over there. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to leave a review. Make sure that you subscribe as well and come back and join me next week where who knows what I'll be talking about because I have not planned it yet. (laughs) But I look forward to having you guys join me there. And of course, If you want to grab the show notes, watch the video, see the transcript, I'll also have all the links to go back over to Monica's website and stuff from the show notes page. You can head over to teacherspd.net slash 92 and you can get everything there. So Monica, thank you so much and have a great week. It is the Easy Ed Tech podcast, not the Easy Ed Tech tips or whatever I said in this episode, the Easy Ed Tech podcast. Find Monica Burns there. Thanks.